guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, I guess you ain't from around here. Yeah, look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, a lot of green like a pasture, a lot of busted like a pastor. Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here. I've been on the up and disappeared like the rapture. No mad raps in the cheap shirt. I'm just shopping in my Sears. I ain't no soothsayer, just a truth seeker, booth tweaker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker. Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year. Yeah, look at what we did. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to ebbs and flow that's esoteric bible study for love of wisdom um daniel naki dan and i got three co-hosts with me today we got morgan b what's up morgan what's up what's up we got nomad how's it going nomad it is going fantastic good to be here good to see you guys and back with us again pk what's up pk what up what up you ought to just hey, add a D good to that. Everyone. PKD, Philip K. Dick. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, Roman has had me on a Vallis Philip K. Dick trip for the last month or so. So now everywhere I and go, he's I gone see down the rabbit KD hole. And Vallis and lights and UFOs going off all crazy now. Like there's just that one thing happening and there was some uh did you guys see that ufo happening uh where the cop went to interview the kids on they said a ufo landed in their backyard or uh some beings came out of it that were nine feet tall and it's all over the news i guess right now and then um and then apparently like new york area northern east northeastern uh united states is all pink light or orangey uh so i'm like what's going canada on? is on fire as well uh, yeah because yeah. all the smoke right well, that's what they say um yeah and is it disclosure I, time dan is that what you're I, saying wait I'm hold saying. on no i'm did, just did saying this happen? it's interesting this right? alien thing happened since like recently like yes. I, I think i'm missing like something a couple here. days ago i seen okay because i don't video yesterday and somebody else sent me a video today about it that okay like our friend group peoples or like uh, this is a news clip raven wolfson sent me a news clip oh, of shit. it yeah and so i asked him what his opinion was because he's been abducted before and so he said that he thinks it's all project blue beam type stuff and it's a fake alien invasion he doesn't believe it and he's been abducted so it's very interesting to hear from an abductee standpoint that he thinks it's fake even <laughs> not quite but like i think i just missed this coming out <laughs> it's coming out tonight. i i mean i don't know I, I don't Did really somebody watch like news, whistleblow so. or like what's going on? There's like the gotta be no, no, it's all over the news. It's a news thing. And a cop was going around and asking people because he said that his partner uh also told him that he saw a big old light in the sky. I think it was in Las Vegas, actually. 
I'm just like, yeah, I'm missing something. I don't know. Crazy times that we're in. What do you guys think? Do you think they're going to do like a fake sort of uh, like uh, interpretation of the second coming of Christ? Like, yeah, but it's aliens. No, no, I don't. No, what do you think, Dan? You think I it's think, really aliens or it's nothing? <laughs> I think they're very softly disclosing that aliens. Uh, it's hard to say disclose because is it true or is it bullshit? But they're slowly like saying that aliens are a thing, maybe to like get people interested in that. I think there's going to be something more to do with technology being released and they want to get like this new kind of era of technology out because that's what's gonna this is the technocracy right it's gonna they have to have this new technology out to have the robots and to have the Neuralink and to have these cars that can run on your mind and all these other things going on so they have to slowly disclose that they have these types of things and I don't think that aliens are necessarily going to be there or, or Jesus, but I think maybe they're going to disclose that they recovered some alien stuff. And now they have this new technology that they can release, or there's going to be some type of war that they can use these UFO spacecrafts in and then say, Oh, well, it was aliens, not us on, on us, you know, and they could blame it on aliens for attacking Russia or, ukraine or whoever it is that they want to go after and then they could say okay well that wasn't actually us that was ufos but in retrospect it was stuff that we had well i got a question do, do you guys think that aliens are more um interdimensional or things from physical things from you know the given outer space you have to get like more specific on your interdimensional. Well, okay. Do you do you think that they come from galaxies far, far away in outer space as as we know it, as we're given, as we're taught it in, you know, school, uh growing up, like spaces like that, and that they had to travel like light years uh to get here. So maybe they went into uh sleep. <clears throat> what's it called sleep cryogenesis or whatever yeah. that word is stasis. you know to get here yeah. yeah yeah stasis uh or are they interdimensional beings possibly coming from you know maybe a more like spiritual thing to it where uh or or even right the other theory of of coming from uh within right they say look up but really like look down are they coming from like earth or are they coming from yes. other galaxies in the uh or are they interdimensional or is it all made up so what do y'all think? i'll answer None of it's made up i'll answer real quick i think that the space stuff is like star warsy and i think that could also <laughs> be a, a possibility but i don't think that that's necessarily what it is and kind of lately i don't really think that we can get out of the planet itself i think we are in like a cellular membrane and so we are enclosed into the planet but i still think it's round but i think uh when we since we're on a bible show i think when we're talking about aliens we're talking about ancient ones ancient humans ancient uh titans or what they believe to be 
as gods were uh, these creatures that were living hundreds and thousands of years possibly were actually are actually still around living underground in um in inner earth or just in the in the hollows the halls of the the porous rock structure that exists in the yeah in the earth uh and the bible also Oh, because I think that's why that we, we there's submer submergible objects. They see them going into the ocean. So I think there's something down maybe below the waters. They I've seen uh clippings from news articles now that say there's mountains under the earth, there's water, fresh water under the earth, uh under the, Whole the crust. civilization. Uh so I mean, if those things exist under there, is that what interdimensional is? Is that like another dimension or another realm of this reality, like layered on top of this one? And that's actually what we're seeing. I don't fucking know. Uh, but to make it a simple answer is just, I think, yeah, there, there's some ancient ones living underground, even because that connects to ancient aliens and the idea like in a lot of these older ancient like uh reliefs and stella and all these different things used and even in like the ancient v vedic mythology they talk about vamanas you see like these different spacecraft uh, they talk about uh flying chariots and they talk uh there's a god named borea who took a flying chariot to the north at certain times of the year so these ideas of things flying in the sky as vehicles has been around in at least the mythologies for a long time. So whether or not those were UFOs or some type of flying machines that they had back then, uh, I find very interesting. And so maybe these people, like and we talk about the Bible, these fallen angels brought this type of technology with them to give to the people but it seemed like only the gods were able to have these vehicles and not necessarily the people and i think we're living kind of in the same kind of thing again where these technocrats and these um political like bigwig type people maybe have access to the vehicles but not us you know what i mean or military i've, I've been watching a lot of stuff on time travel lately too so the, the idea of time traveling into different dimensions of reality and different time periods is also a pretty fascinating thing. And maybe it's not UFOs at all. And maybe it's just all time travel. I mean, that's another crazy idea, but I think all of them are, are equally kind of have some, some sauce to it. Uh, I haven't necessarily yeah, settled on any of them, but yeah. What do you guys think about that? The Rephaim who were one of the tribes of giants it was it said in the bible that they were drowned in the flood right um and the raphaim is also referred to as uh disembodied spirits so to sort of answer your question i think at one point they were physical beings and maybe some of them did survive um but i think that the most evidence is for them being disembodied spirits and like taking over actual physical bodies or creatures uh if that makes sense Okay, let's get a little deeper then. So less from coming from other planets, definitely more of like from here. Okay, what about star systems? What about them? 
you don't think they could possibly be from different star systems? I think it's possible. I just don't know if I've seen enough uh, like examples or evidence of that. And the I only think re- that one thing real quick, uh, like Warner Van Braun is even theorized as saying that, you know, they were going to have all of these different sort of uh, pandemics and uh, um, big events to write to try to justify the space system and space travel. And the last one was an alien invasion. And I think that that makes sense if you look at all of our programming um, and just the increase of like programming around it, it kind of seems like they're looking, that seems like the obvious next step of like, how are we going to keep funding things? Oh, we have this alien invasion we need to protect from, we've got to fund the space force, right? Uh, And so I think that that's kind of where I see things going is like a great way to get more money and just do whatever they want and less about like saving the planet and helping. Okay. I, I get that, but like, okay, the only reason I ask that is because like when you get to like these ancient religions that, you know, resemble disembodied spirits or what have you, they were known to, I mean, the whole purpose is to like gain like what, you're, to lose your meat suit and gain your light body, right? So my thing is, is creating some sort of like, way for them to I I guess go into the abyss and the underground at the same time because as above so below but not allowing them to come back maybe that's why the firmament is there I don't know well I think maybe like when you think into like that time travel idea if you can skip into different times why wouldn't you be able to skip into different planetary places or go to Pleiades or whatnot or like just by teleporting yourself into it rather than space travel altogether you know what i mean just skip skip the messenger aspect and just transport there like steven or cal or like any type of like very good practicing monk You know, just like meditating very well, being like good at stuff like that, yoga, mm. all of the meditative arts. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, and I, another thing you had brought up is um, alien invasion. Well, that would unite us all for a common Against enemy. Yeah. yeah, so it would be the easiest way to get us all to be a common one world or one area or like one we would be so happy we would we would all freaking run to the nearest <laughs> commune you know what i mean imagine how it was after 9 11 right yeah. everyone was like was like oh my god i love you you know you're my brother like you know we're in this together it'd be like that times you know worldwide millions. like it'd be like that times a thousand world oh know, it, worldwide. no an alien invasion would imprint our dna would imprint fear kind of like certain symbols do that we don't even know and we don't even know why something of that nature would happen like that would be the most shocking and fearful thing not only because it would be but because it'd be a, a common shared emotion you know throughout everybody living 
Yeah, I think the alien scapegoat scenario is they can just blame them for everything bad that happens. Even though it's, it's also like if we do start, if you are under the impression that we've been sort of evolving and getting, uh, I guess, better since Christ, then it would make sense almost at a certain point you have to have some external force to be that fear factor outside of just us because if we are growing and, and growing closer to each other at some point they're going to have to quit just dividing us and have to have some other uh input are we evolving or are we devolving i think that we are there are there is a spiritual evolution going on and i think it's it's increasing okay but like physically we're devolving though yeah um i mean probably in a lot of ways right because like the more we start to rely on technology and things yeah. the more the way that our society is set up yeah i mean and that's the whole point right because if they can break our bodies and how we were designed to actually live then it's a lot easier to control us they already um, have but but I think that this, there is this like spiritual wave that's going on that's like kind of hard. You can't really do anything about it. Like when you've mm -hmm. hit your rock, when you've hit rock bottom, at least for me, like when I was in the most physical pain that I've ever experienced and just like it, it felt like I was going to die, that's when I probably had the most spiritual growth, right? And so there's like nothing seemingly that can be done about it, it seems like. It's very interesting. Rock bottom. Because everything ends up going to the top of the rock, and, right? To the mount. And not that... Top of the mountain. Yeah, not... That rock bottom. <laughs> not that you have to experience that to have spiritual growth, but I'm just saying that, like, if it does happen, it still produces growth, so it's, like, inevitable. Yeah, there has to be a balance. So because we're losing the physicality, we're increasing in the spirituality, Whereas, like, if we were increasing spirituality, we would lose in the physicality. Uh, I think I said the same thing twice in two different ways, but you guys know what I mean. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we jump into the Bible a little bit? Genesis 12? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into that. Dun, dun, dun. I have it pulled up here. Uh, I, I do like your version. Um, so if you want to read it, Nomad, feel free. But not a heavy. Yeah. Do it. All right. Genesis 12, starting at verse 1. And Jehovah saith unto Abram, Go for thyself from thy land and from thy kindred and from thy house of thy father unto the land which I show thee. And I make thee become a great nation, and bless thee, and make thy name great. And be thou a blessing, and I bless those blessing thee, and him who is disesteeming thee I curse. The blessed, in the, the blessed in thee have been all families of the ground. That's something I wanted to talk about later. Um, and Abram goeth on as Jehovah has spoken unto him, and Lot goeth with him, and Abram is a son of five and seventy years in his going out from Sharon. 
And Abram taketh Sari, his wife, and Lot, his brother, his son, and all their substance that they have gained, and the persons that they have obtained in Sharon. And they go out to go towards the land of Canaan, and they come into the land of Canaan. And Abram passeth over unto the land, unto the place Shechem, unto the oak of Moreh, and the Canaanite is then in the land. And Jehovah appeareth unto Abram, and saith, To thy seed I give this land, and he buildeth there an altar to Jehovah, who hath appeared unto him. And he removeth from thence towards a mountain at the east of Bethel, and stretcheth out the tent Bethel at the west and high at the east, and he buildeth there an altar to Jehovah, and preacheth in the name of Jehovah. And Abram journeyeth going on and journeying towards the south, and there is a famine in the land, and Abram goeth down towards Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine is grievous in the land. And it cometh to pass, as he hath drawn near to enter Egypt, that he said unto Sari his wife, Lo, I pray thee, I have known that thou art a woman of beautiful appearance. And it hath come to pass that the Egyptians see thee, and they have said, This is his wife, and they have slain me, and they keep alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, so that it is well with me because of thee, and my soul hath lived for thy sake. And it cometh to pass at the entering of Abram into Egypt, that the Egyptians see the woman, that she is exceeding fair. And princes of Pharaoh see her, and praises her unto Pharaoh, and the woman is taken to Pharaoh's house. And to Abram he hath done good because of her, and he hath, sleep, he hath sheep and oxen, and he has asses and men servants and handmaids, and she asses and camels. And Jehovah plagueth Pharaoh and his house great plagues for the matter of Sari, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh calleth for Abram and saith, What is this thou hast done to me? Why hast thou not declared to me that she is thy wife? Why hast thou said she is my sister, and I take her to myself for a wife? And now, lo, thy wife, take and go. And Pharaoh chargeth men concerning him, and they send him away and his wife and all that he had. Chapter 7. Chapter 12. <laughs> Chapter 7. I like that. Chapter 7. Um, yeah, this is a... a and uh, let's see, what am I looking at? I'm looking at NL New Living Translation. There's a lot of stuff different from what you read. Uh, almost everything. <laughs> the wording is so different. Um, but interesting, it says that he took uh, Abram and placed him in the land of the Canaanites, uh, right? Which was with Bethel to the west and ai to the east a uh i think you called it hey or he uh but it says ai in here uh, i thought that was interesting but he put him in the mm -hmm. land of the canaanites uh and we talked about that i think on the last one or the one before with the canaanites uh, being from ham so they were the melanated peoples uh and because he put him in the land of the melanated people uh and and uh, what was this is he talking about putting him in jerusalem is this jerusalem this land that he brings him to or is it something else uh that's a good question i'm not sure he can because he says i will give this land to your descendants which i'm assuming is 
Jerusalem, right? Because that's what ends up. Or is Israel. Yeah, Israel. That's what I mean. Yeah. So this land yes. of Israel was at one point all Canaanite. Uh, so uh, I think we showed a map before and showed that like Africa was actually a lot bigger than it was now and included the peninsula and even part of Israel. And so that's why um, a lot of African people or melanated people will claim that uh, Jesus was black or whatnot, you know, uh, because this land was theirs before. That's a really, really, if that land is belong to several, several people, right. Several times over. So that's kind of like a, like a, like, I don't know really if, that's if Canaan is the Ottoman Empire or if it is like I, I don't know if it's Israel um because it is belonged to or the uh, the Amazik people Amazaki or Amaziki people who are actually from Africa they're from that area they're from Morocco, Egypt, that certain ethnic 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 group was um there prior to anywhere anybody else. And they were white. So hmm. the the types of it's like they were it's like people strate- like strategically placed themselves in certain areas even back then. So I don't know. It's hard to to say who belonged to what land because I think everyone thinks it's theirs. I have a it's really still, rude. It's Sorry, still happening ahead. today with Pakistan people. So you know what I mean? Like that this this is still happening right now. Mm-hmm. Pika? I have a rudimentary question trying to get my bearings here. Abram, was was he after Noah and his sons or before? After. after. He was after, right? Yes. So was he, he's descendant, I guess, from Shem? Ham. Or. Yeah, I'm guessing he's from Shem. Okay. Yes. Because Moses comes out of the same line and Jacob comes out of the same line. So this is the Shem line. I think Jacob has a different line. Then what? I think it's Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. At the same time. At the same time, I don't know if I need to reread the chapters before, but it's like, how do we all of a sudden get to Abram? <laughs> well, with like, where did he come from? Uh, you know, th- the last chapters were all about the genealogy, and and this person begat that, and that begat that, and so now we get to Abram, and 
this thing with Abram plays out because then he changes his name to Abraham. Uh, that's probably in the next chapter where, you know, he like tells him to uh, kill his son. God tells him to kill his son. And then he's like, haha, just kidding. I'm going to replace it with this animal instead. But I just wanted to test you to see how good your faith in me was. So, and you passed my test. So now I'm going to reward you, basically. Um, so this is like Babel period. Babylon. Yeah. So this is very, very long ago. So this is way before the Ottomans. This is uh, uh, like kind of first peoples around in this land. This is kind of shortly after um, Noah's Ark, right? So all of these people now have spread out. We're talking about maybe five or six generations after Noah landed. So we have yeah, like, nailed it. It's it's actually like I'm I'm looking now. It's like seven, maybe seven or eight generations okay. after Noah, after Shem. Then like yeah. seven or eight go by, begat, 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 then yep. Abram. So yeah, right on. Yep, yep. Uh and uh so so and then it appears that the Lord is saying that I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built the altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him after he had told him that that was his land going to be his descendants land after that abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with bethel to the west and a to the east there he built another altar and dedicated to the lord and he worshiped the lord then abram continued traveling south by stages toward the negev i think this is also interesting because it's talking about setting up a dedication an altar um in the story of jacob he sets up uh the stone right and he prays to the lord and stands it up and then at night he lays it flat and sleeps on it that's why it's called this pillow but it also is a pillar um and it's a stone and so it's it's these stones that they set up and dedicate it to the lord so it's even though i'm wondering uh, this altar um is is showing the dedication which is why they're being rewarded no mad yeah well i think that that's like anything with with spirits and how they work is you have to hmm. like invite them in right and so when you set up an altar you're making space for these entities and so i think sort of the difference is we we can actually like we don't need the altar but i think it's just a, a visual representation that can help draw the spirits in closer if that makes sense so yeah i don't know if the altars have any significance other than that or maybe they did maybe they were doing something uh ceremonial that was increasing the activity in that area what do you guys think well, stone pillars being set up all over the place seem to have some type of activity, electrical type stuff going on, piezo yeah, electricity. Exactly. Um, I think there's like, what's that one in like Ireland? Uh, I want to say Karnak, but it's not Karnak. Uh, it has all the standing stones in like a big old line. 
It's like a whole right. like fields and fields of standing stones. And then you have like places like Stonehenge and then you have obelisks and you have all of these other type of uh, stone shrines almost, you know, uh, of standing stone. So maybe there's something else going on there. Maybe they're setting up calendars of some sort too. Maybe that's to show dedication to God of, of, of zodiacal type thing going on here because i do think like the ancient uh judaism was a very like zodiacal star based uh god system and then it kind of changed later over time i see the branch joined us he's dropping some oh hey what's up guys Hey, what's up, hey. Joshua? Joshua. Yeah. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. I had to finish eating. I was eating sauerkraut and beef. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Better than canned beef. It was fixed it? my gut issues I was having. So I feel like my ah. core is becoming better now. My, I was, you know. I realized, you know, what are we're not much else other than our core, you know. It's mm-hmm. like I need to take better care of that core. So I started eating sauerkraut at least once a week um, with beef so that it would be palatable. And uh, yeah, man, it, I don't cook the sauerkraut either because that kills the creatures. Right. Uh, this is what's I, I, getting into this microbiome territory. Mm-hmm. My friend's been making uh bread sourdough bread and she's been having to like feed her starter every day it's a living thing you know and right every had, day we just had pentagons and uh each day from passover they they added omer to the vessel so i was beginning to wonder if that had something to do with the bread because you have flat bread with passover but then Pentecost, you got two loaves that are risen. So are they feeding yeast? Oh. Is that what's in the ark? Is a urn full of yeast, like bread starter? And it started to really make a lot of sense to me because I was like, you know, if our gut biome gets off, that you know, we're we're easy prey, you know. And so uh I like to think at the micro level a lot, like with influenza, for instance, being related to giants, you know, we're always at war (laughs) with this unseen micro world. And I kind of see the kosher laws and things like that as maybe uh, helping you to have that armor of God, if you will. Like we have an acid mantle of bacteria. We have gut bacteria, parasites and stuff like that you know, really disrupt our functioning and such. So, uh, and candida yeast itself is very interesting. We have that inside of us as well. And if the balance gets disturbed, <laughs> it, it can overtake you, you know? So, and in fact, there was a yeast, a candida outbreak recently, a novel candida, which never existed before. They think it might've been created in a lab. Wink, wink like something else we've heard of recently, but I digress. But so, you know, think about that. If everybody's got suppressed immune systems, what a otherwise harmless bacteria can do. So all this 
bread stuff really got me thinking and this sauerkraut and all that. So I'm trying to eat more living things. I know Nomad's all about that instead of eating dead things. I know the beef is dead, but you know, I gotta. I might have water too. too. I don't know if they, do they have life. I don't know if they have lifeblood, do they? Like, are you trying to be a cannibal? Like, what's going I'm supposed on? To have blood in the meat, though. That is the thing about eating meat. So I do admit my guilt there, where I'm I'm not like draining the beef of its blood. I, I don't know. There could be some like you know myoglobin and hemoglobin in there. But the thing is, I noticed that if I don't eat meat, like I was going eating chicken there for a while, and I was getting really tired. And my body was craving meat. So I think there's something to like your blood type. Um, Were you using a cast iron by chance? I used a copper. Maybe okay. I used a cast iron with my chicken and then I'll fix my issue, right? Yeah, because that's one thing I think people can get low iron if they're not having a certain diet when they're vegan or vegetarian. And so um, using a cast iron can help supplement that. Thank you for the reminder because I, I do have them. Plus, it just cooks really good. Like, everything tastes great in a cast iron. Yeah, you got to get it seasoned first. Like, you got to cook with it a few times. Yeah, it's a pro- it's like a it's a thing, but <laughs> it's worth Wipe it. Wipe it down with oil afterwards, right? To yeah, there's. I'm not. I'm not a super expert on it, um, but I know there are some like care tips. It's not too complicated, but it can like yeah, crack or something if you don't do it right. That uh, micro realm. It's it's interesting because uh, I think that's what we we might have been seeing a little bit of that here and the manna falling from heaven and stuff. I always wonder what that was if I had some relationship because it's it's likened it to like dew or bread. I don't know if we've we're not quite to that point yet, but <laughs> but anyway, we we're talking about uh, Shem a minute ago, right? He, he built the first altar, so he was kind of like the first priest after the flood, right? Oh, did he? Shem did. Yeah, you guys were just talking. We're talking about, uh, I was talking about Jacob, and then Abram seemingly does something similar. He sets up an altar. Oh, pardon. Well, yeah, I came in halfway. But what you guys were talking about reminded me of what's called dolmen Mm -hmm. structures, uh, which you see a lot with the the Celts. and uh, Yes. Go Gobekli Tepe. I can never remember how to say it. Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, there we go. megalithic structures. And uh, then there's another one that's kind of not. It's it's actually secretly been in the news. Is the uh, Stone of Destiny? You know, mm. Charles was coronated recently. That means they would have had to bring the Stone of Destiny to do the coronation, but they do that in secret. So at one point they would have moved it, and that's supposed to have been Jacob's pillow, by the way. So. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, it's supposedly the same stone that uh, Jacob slept on when he had his vision, Sorry. and it is very interesting that they're still going through all that uh, to this day and like carrying it around from place to place when they coronate someone. Mm-hmm. And that's where he had the dream of the uh, stairway to heaven, right? I think it was a ladder technically, but yeah. yeah. Which is the H. That's the salvational aspect of the... Right. We talked about that, I think, a few weeks back. 
And um, the uh, Leah Falel was supposed to have been like one of the four two off the Danon artifacts as well. Mm, the oh, speaking yeah. stone. Yes, that's what. Yeah, uh, it only speaks when a true king steps on it, though. That's the thing. I can guarantee it didn't sing for old Chucky. <laughs> Uh, it says here too uh, in verse 6 that Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem there he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh at that time the area was inhabited by Canaanites I was wondering if anybody knows what this oak of Moreh is or is it Moriah or Marie Morch Morch I'm not sure how to say it, M-O-R-E-H. But is there a significance to this oak? Because uh, I find that interesting. That it sets up by oak. We had just mentioned the oak tree also. Uh, with druids, right? And the dolmens. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. You can find a... I think this might be where uh, Sarah is buried. Is that this oak? And what we'll find with Yahweh is that he likes boundaries and he often has boundary stones and he uses rivers as boundaries. He uses boundary stones and he uses trees. Um, hmm. He's mark out the territory of the promised land. So if you, when we read about like when they're talking about the extent of the land that's given to them, if you really pay attention, sometimes he's using certain things to explain like the boundaries but uh yeah the terabinth terabinth of mora so what they did was uh i'm glad i saw that that reminded me of the story so i i think this way the story goes is that they buried all their idols at the base of the terabinth tree um and i think that she was also buried there his wife at some point but they were supposed to basically leave everything behind and bury it there. And then I think there was a dagger as well. And it's all in like an oak tree. I looked up uh, Oak of Moreh and uh, says basically the same things that it's saying here in the Bible. But then it adds the name Oak or Terabinth of Moreh may also be uh, the teacher's or the diviner's oak. It may have been a holy tree in the place of an old Canaanite sanctuary. Although it's difficult to understand Abraham's motives for visiting this place, there is no reason to suggest that Abraham recognized the sacred character of the place and willfully adapted it him, his, himself to it. The reference to the oak of Moriah merely serves to indicate the place where Abraham camped and built his own altar. But I would suggest, though, that since he did that close to the tree, he was basically planting his god in that spot to overtake that old god, maybe, um, by setting up an altar to uh, him. Yeah. found the thing I was looking for. I'll throw something real quick. In my uh, transliteration... Uh, hold on. Are you guys? Is someone talking? I can't tell. No, you're good. Hello? Nope. Okay. Okay. Good. And make sure I just switched to my headphones. 
Um, in my transliteration of the Hebrew, Mora, they say means uh like teacher. And and in the transliteration, it doesn't have oak, it just says like giant tree. So oak or not or whatever or tree. But this got me thinking about the Kabbalah and the tree and the tree of life that that they use in the Kabbalah as a teaching tool. So I wonder if there's anything uh there. Yeah, I would say most definitely. I mean, I think there's lots of things there. <laughs> and wasn't this the place where Abraham is visited by the three angels who inform him of his wife Sarah's future pregnancy? Hmm. We have yet to get there. You're spoiled. Or is that a, spoiler is that a different alert. one? <laughs> That's. I think the Oak of Mamre, is that the same thing as the Oak of Mora? Mamre and More. Very cool. I'm not real sure. I'm looking at the Hebrew for it right now. I want to know. Awesome. But it is interesting, right? Because the oak tree is so, um, what, what's the word, like praised, I guess, or Sacred given high to, esteem. To the Druids, yeah. Yeah. To the pagans. Yeah. Um, um, on the Argo Navis, <clears throat> the prow of the boat was made of the speaking oak tree of like the Dodona mm-hmm. oak tree. So it was uh, how Athena could keep her eye on Jason and the Argonauts when they were traveling from Iolcus to Colchis. Hmm. Which is still a prophetic uh, oak. That's interesting too. It's like a singing wood, right? And you see these ringing stones. Uh, and some people have made uh, ideas, hypotheses, theories that these trees are these petrified trees can turn into stone if given the right minerals. So maybe what we're actually seeing is in these ringing stones of some type of petrified wood uh that rings and it so it sings it's a singing wood i don't know but i thought that was interesting go for it joshua um so what i wanted to say about the tree and the stone here are that um yahweh not only likes boundaries and marker stones and stuff but uh he also has this um he he likes covenants and so whenever he makes a covenant there are uh witnesses and so there's two witnesses so the tree and the stone are actually two silent witnesses to the covenant a lot of times so Hmm. we see that also in joshua chapter 24 where sometime after the exodus um, the mixed multitude is there before joshua as along with hebrews and they basically wed themselves to yahweh through an oath or a covenant and he does it before this uh, tabernacle just as it's described in certain cases here before a, a tree and a stone um, now what's interesting is there is a prohibition against that in the bible except when it's done with him 
So I think having a stone and a tree is probably uh, symbolic of marrying his spirit, which is somewhat also something we see in the Irish with the high king marrying Mother Earth to renew the land. So basically, he's saying a prohibition against that with any other god, except he does it with his own people. So that's what I've always thought was really interesting about this particular topic. And you're talking about uh, Yahweh. I think in this particular passage, at least in my translation, it says Jehovah. Can you remind What's, me again? Are you are those same in your book? Uh, yeah, same okay. entity. Rather, <laughs> sorry, I okay. talk so casually about him sometimes because I. But yes, cool. Same same entity. Jehovah just means uh, God Almighty. It's, it's like a title, and Yahweh. Uh, means self-creating when I think so each of his names aren't actually his name they're just like more like titles because what's interesting too along with each covenant he'll usually reveal a name of his along with the covenant so each time he reveals himself he'll make a covenant <laughs> with the person and I thought that's really strange too like some people know him by Shaddai some know him by Yahweh some know him by Jehovah that's what makes me think that it's different. Like, okay, yeah, it could be like the the big God, the capital G God, but it's like it's describing different aspects of 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 said God, and I think that that might be like very important the story to like what we're reading. Right. That that it really gets kind of a uh, uh, you know. Oh. I think what it's saying is it helps us get to the moral of the story. Like why, what's represented with this covenant? What is the aspect of our creator that he's trying to show here? So in, for of the creator that we're trying to describe. Yeah. I think there's a little more, more to it. Like for instance, with the sacrifice of uh, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, his name meant salvation. So that was an aspect of mercy. Um, in some of these other cases, we see different themes that kind of pop up. Like, for instance, with Joshua, he was not very peaceful. He killed a lot of people, giants and stuff. So, but he was still blessed. You know what I mean? So, the covenant that was there with Jehovah, in that case, God Almighty was exemplified by destroying every other race out of the land and claiming it for their own and it was at that time they fully realized the boundaries of the geographical boundaries just like it says right there yeah so that's when it came back to its fruition under like jehovah the god almighty the strong right arm of the lord is what that really emphasizes which by the way just a sidebar beetlejuice uh, is a constellation of orion the Beetlejuice stars in the right shoulder of Orion and it's right now it's 50% brighter than it has been. <laughs> it's like getting huge. Um, so I always wonder if that's kind of strange to me because Beetlejuice in Arabic means uh, arm of the giant. Mm. So I've always wondered if that's like another tip hat tip to it because we're in the month of June 
and that's Gemini, which is also the arms. So you got your right and left arm too. So this Beetlejuice coming up during Gemini for me is very weird because <laughs> you know it's, it's talks about his arms. But what was it? Two two hands, left and right. The right. two arms. Gemini, right oh, here. AI, AI is there. Uh, that's one of the cities that Joshua destroyed with Yahweh. They he points a spear at it and like declares this some some phrase and words, and then they conquer it. <laughs> I think he had to hold the spear up the whole time, though. Like sometimes they had to do interesting things like that too. So I think you're right, PK. Like if we go back and look at each of these covenants and then look at the name that God revealed when making the covenant and then watching what they had to do and then looking at the uh, Kabbalah tree, for instance, we might really get a lot out of that. I think it's like, you know, kind of hidden like the twilight. Yeah, I think it's another layer to it that, that we totally get, you know, get kind of shafted out of. And, and when we look at this in English, so well, it's a whole another layer oral tradition yeah um also i wanted to talk about right here in uh 12 9 it says uh after so i'll, I'll go to 12 8 after that abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with bethel to the west and a i a to the east there he built another altar and dedicated it to the lord and worshiped the lord then Abraham continued traveling south by stages towards Negev. And I looked up Negev uh, because I wanted to see where it was at. It says uh, Negev is a hot, dry region in the southern part of Israel that see, receives less than eight inches of rainfall each year. The Negev desert factors into the events of Abraham's life and through the period of Israel's wilderness wanderings. Their area is also significant throughout the time of the United Monarchy until the period of the Divided Kingdom. Three of the Bible's prophets mention the Negev as well. The name Negev means dry land in Hebrew, but the Bible sometimes uses the term to refer to the South Country or South. An alternate spelling for Negev in the Bible is Negev. The King James Version regularly translates Negev as the south whereas the new international ver version negev an english standard version negev normally used the name for the territory um although specific geographical uh, boundaries define the negev in the bible the region extends between beersheba and kadesh barnia which are two pretty popular places um biblically um from north to south and from near the mediterranean sea to the arabah valley from west to east an expanse of about 70 miles wide in bible times the territory resembled an hourglass or figure eight turned on its side interesting on all but the west side highlands and mountains border the negev but to the west it stretches within a few miles of the mediterranean coast um and then down here, I'm going to skip a bit. It says, uh, during much of the 40-year wilderness wanderings, the Hebrew people camped around the oasis of Kadesh Barnea in the southern part of the Negev. The Negev was included in the lands the people of Israel were to possess. 
When the Israelites spied out the promised land, Moses instructed the scouts to head northward, northward through the hill country, uh, starting in the southlands of the Negev, the Simeondak, the Malachites also lived in the Negev. So we're talking about giants. Um, Amalekites are part of the giants that existed. Um, anything that ends with the ites is usually has the giants involved with it. Uh, Joshua led the people of Israel in a military conquest of the lands of Negev, taking control away from its native inhabitants. Eventually, the region was allotted to the tribes of Judah and Simeon. So we are talking about Israel when we talk about this land. Yeah. And see, that's the part of the Bible a lot of people always want to make a big deal about, like, oh, there's so much death, they killed a bunch of people. These these were giants, man. You know, <laughs> and that's like the secret that nobody understands when they're criticizing the Bible like that. It's like, dude, those were dude, <laughs> those are not what you think, you know. And so I think that's a point that sometimes gets glossed over, like you were mentioning earlier, PK, things that we just don't catch. Well, that was one of them. So for those people, that was an apocalypse. That was a judgment because here comes Joshua with the Hebrews and it's just like, they just wiped the land, you know, and they had the angel of the Lord with them in the Ark of the Covenant, you know, giant killers, yeah. know, all these wild things were happening. Like Jericho's walls were falling down and all they were doing was blowing trumpets and marching. You know what I mean? Like it was supernatural. They, they Isn't it? Else. Is it? Isn't it kind of weird though that supposedly that was the purpose of the flood? Mm-hmm. Was exactly. to wipe out the giants, but then we still have all of this talk of killing giants after. Yeah. Well, that's what influenza is. It's they're still here, except now they're little. They're not big anymore. They're little. And I think right. that's the disem- the disembodied spirits. Um, but I guess the so that's where it gets to me. It's like, was this was I think we're dealing with different entities that are being called the same thing sometimes I'm with because you. it just seems like mm. there's too much like um like this person is so matter of fact or this entity is so matter of fact but then we see a sort of contradiction from seemingly the same entity but uh I think maybe it was a different entity I don't oh, know what if do that makes sense like what the well, like so for example right like supposedly they were all wiped out in the flood but then now the same god is essentially telling the people to go kill the giants because they weren't wiped out from the flood does that make sense well i think the intention was to wipe them all out but they weren't always killed off you know and in fact he uh joshua makes a mistake at one point by making a covenant with i think it's the gibeonites who had where they were uh lying and pretending to be some other race of people so they looked enough like them that they weren't immediately you know tipped off and so they ended up making a covenant with them and that was the only thing he wasn't really allowed to do <laughs> was that and he did that so he, he kind of got stolen for Yah- from yahweh rather for that uh, but that's uh, an example how some giants get preserved is because they somehow mix with the people uh, I have a, or under do you, 
Sorry, I don't. Okay, go ahead, Dan. I have a couple of things here. Uh, one is these giants are Canaanites, so they're descendants of Ham. So they're Can, uh, Canaan, uh, children, sons of Canaan, and uh, and Ham. If you look at it that way, so that would imply that there was some type uh one of these wives maybe ham's wife um and that's why their child was cursed also when we go back into that story um maybe this is why they got the curse because they were giants and the giants were supposed to be gone but because uh his wife had some of this blood still with her uh it created more giants in the lands uh, second thing is, is you always want to kill off the biggest threat to you. And if people are giants, you're you're gonna want to get rid of them first because they pose the most threat to your, uh, to your, you know, people. And they probably eat a lot, so they probably take a lot of resources. And they might even eat you, uh, if they need to. Uh, and then another thing is, is um, um, ah. Uh, I, ah, shit i forgot where i was going with this but uh that they're they're giants uh so oh the the i yeah the idea of uh the flood wiping them out so maybe that's why the flood didn't necessarily wipe these out because they're it was in the dna still and oh also this this land was given to them by god so they needed to eradicate these people from that land in order to occupy it because they obviously couldn't coexist with them. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, I think part of it too is that we can't forget is that the angels all had their, well, not all of them. Some of them didn't necessarily have descendants, but some of the fallen angels had their own bloodlines going too. And so, it's not just one type of giant. There was Rephaim, Gaborim, mm. uh, a lot of different names for these entities. But I think a lot of it had to do with what the progenitor of that race was originally. And, and a lot of times I think it goes back to like a, a fallen angel. So, for instance, if we look at the story in the uh, Garden of Eden, that would have been specifically who, whatever the serpent was, you know, Lucifer, Azazel, whatever, that would have been his particular seed. But then I think there were incursions with the angels later that begat a lot of these other giants and stuff that we were seeing. So part of the judgment was to wipe their seed out um, because they weren't part of the plan, you know, because mm -hmm. God had created this earth for us, not for them. And they were basically trying to take it over. So that's kind of the way I see it. Um, for me, that explains it a little. What I'm seeing here in the original Hebrew, um, have you guys ever heard of the word uh, mitz, mitzrah? Mitzrah yima yeah. is, is what I'm getting as translated from went down into the south. The the Greek is looking like it's saying mitz, mitzrah ima think um, word for which is disharmony or whatever right is that what you're gonna say i think it's something that's used to describe egypt sometimes mm -hmm. and and so yeah and to to that point 
too. I think a lot of times in Egypt as well, you know, we all get we all get hung up on on like, yeah, these are physical places, but I, I think that's why the Bible is like so freaking genius is because like, yeah, at the same time, yeah, it's talking about possibly physical places, but also it's saying something else as well. And I think a lot of times when they say Egypt in the Bible, that that sort of is talking about our physicality, you know, so like another layer or like way to look at all this stuff is that as as a more like spiritual level or like what's the meaning you know okay you got the like literal meaning or you know whatever and then you got the the other meaning and like both are valid not saying like one's more valid than the other just saying the other meaning uh a lot of times with egypt is describing like the the physicality the the descent of spirit you know down into matter and and uh the hardships that come with that, uh, you know, such as famine, which may mean, <clears throat> you know, on one hand, it means literally what famine means. On the other hand, it could mean, uh, I, I don't know, famine spiritually, like, what you know, I'd have to like kind of think on that. But what what would famine mean in a, in a spiritual context, you know, that maybe you're you're seeking God and you're all, you know, dried up or something to that effect yeah the absence of god a lot of times is likened to a wilderness um, or desolate place so like a desolate desert, temple yeah. and the screech owl and the lizards and the dogs <laughs> all those no water no life yes. no eve no spirit nice uh mystery yeah, right on can also be used to explain spiritual captivity. So for instance, living in the United States, we're basically in spiritual captivity, whether you know it or not, you know, just because we're so far removed from God by living and functioning in this society. So we try to come back to God and that's what, uh, you know, that's what this is all about. Uh, so Aliyah, like returning to the land, for instance, is when they would return to the land that they was promised them. Um, and that's actually part of the rapture prophecy too. Like uh, that doesn't ever really get talked about too much. I don't think is that it's actually a departure from Babylon, just like this departure from Egypt, uh, except in the story with Egypt, it's localized to one country, many peoples in one country, whereas Babylon it's worldwide and coming out of it and going into Israel. So similar, but different. But it's uh, part of the covenant and the promises that he made with these people long ago that we're going to see come to fruition, I think, during our time, perhaps. But, but we're in, you know, in that spiritual captivity right now. So, yeah, I think you're right. It can be a physical location, but also have a spiritual connotation. I agree with you. Um... I don't think, however, we're in spiritual captivity um, in <laughs> our location. Does that well, make sense? The thing is, each part of the globe, well, wait, each part of the earth, let's put it that way, is uh, governed. He by said globe. <laughs> Get out. So uh, powers, <laughs> virtues, principalities. Yeah, I'm kidding. They all govern <laughs> territory. 
I know, I know. I understand. I'm just like, we're, I just want to like reiterate that we are lucky that we don't live in um, uh, Palestine or Israel or we don't live in the Ukraine or Russia. Like, because you want to talk about spiritual captivity China. or even. I heard Russia was pretty cool, actually. I actually have heard that as well, but you, know, <laughs> you, you never know. I want to I know. I know what you're saying, though. I know what you're saying. You know, you just like they have gone through the whole like. Uh, ex of Jesus of being spiritually captive, they've lost everything, you know, like we we have not we've we're a young nation who has never ever experienced what these people have so to try to wrap our heads around like trying to preserve our spiritual heritage like we somewhat get an idea if you're partially native or if you're partially like from somewhere else and you came here as a refugee but us as a people or as a country well i mean we're lucky and we really don't Honest, we we will go through the wash. It's a matter of time. Everyone does, but it's what we do. Like I guess as we're going through it, or like to get ready for it, or you know, we will under we will not always be like America as we know it. Uh, like things are being set up right now for that to not happen. Um, you know, for us to flourish, we're gonna have to have other people, and they're not gonna help us. But um, on to a different thing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're lucky that we have never been like through that yet is all I'm trying to say. It's like we're super, uh, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around like what that would actually be like or feel like or like how important it would be for us to be able to capture the essence of our native land. Yeah. Well said. And yeah. have you ever heard the whole the whole thing too of of like uh spirit as in you know wherever we came from and it's very rare you know 99.9999% of people don't have like recollection of like where who or what we were before we came here so have you ever heard of the whole thing of like uh the, the spirit dies when you come into you know uh <clears throat> physicality essentially yes. and like that's the whole that's the whole like back and forth is like yes. is like you know a part of you dies to be born and then when you're when you die isn't here then like that other part of you is born again you yeah. know and it's, it's just a matter of like connecting the two uh yeah anyway or, or you're always it. like longing to go home for a home that you don't have right and probably when you're there you're like longing to come here yeah, yeah. Grass, is always, this grass is always greener <laughs> i think there's this oscillation process it seems like almost between spirit and physicality and i yes. think the trap is actually thinking that the other one is better than where you're at uh, yeah, i think yeah, like I you said it's kind of the grass is greener type of thing so i think you know because there's obviously a bunch of disembodied spirits that are trying to get into bodies it seems like just based on all of the testimonies we have throughout history of possession and um things like that right and so i think there is a lot of evidence for that i've also sort of experienced something similar so for me it, it rings true 
but um, it also says that being absent of the body is to be uh, present with the Lord or something like that, right? And so I think really it is just being able to carry that Holy Spirit with you throughout, whether it's in the body or in the spiritual realm, still being able to access that that eternal source of goodness, which I think is resonates and is one of those things that it doesn't matter if you can prove it, like in this realm it's like it just resonates so much that it it doesn't matter if you can prove it to be true because you know it is true and i think that's the sort of thing that holds us between the spirit realm and the physical realm i agree awesome guys the characteristics of god literally holding on to it yep i would add that uh, our authority given by christ and his father it also trumps the authority of these principalities here on earth, which right. with which we reside. So we are at a spiritual war with them, you know, because we challenge their, uh, like, like for instance, the attitudes that we were talking about earlier, they're the threats to take them out. Well, we're the threats to take us out. <laughs> like that's yeah. exactly what they're trying to do right now, you know? And it's yeah. kind of funny because it's like with each day, it's more, the, the contrast is more stark, but it's uh, every day said so that, you you know, and, and I'm not like pushing back necessarily on what you said earlier, but about how we haven't suffered. Okay. I agree with that, but we are starting to see yes. the consequences of Liberty because up until now, even though we had freedom, we didn't abuse our freedom. Um, right. Still had confines, around that um and that's what god does he gives you freedom but within confines it's not freedom to do everything or anything it's freedom from spiritual captivity which a lot of these uh other things can be associated with like vices and stuff and that's why i think the laws of the nation are a lot of times a reflection of what kind of spirit may govern it is because it it kind of uh, it's the fruit if you will so yes. you can kind of look at that and be like, oh, in which case with fruit in mind and trees, I guess we could look at the oak and the acorn and that might, there might be some symbolism <laughs> hidden in there too. I didn't think about that. They contain a lot of tannins, which can give you a headache if you, but you can use them to tan leather too, acorns. So there would have been acorns outside the sanctuary, in other words, <laughs> apparently. Which means it probably would have drew drew uh, deer, you know. Yeah. The- <laughs> Absolutely, and squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Um. I was going to ask you about that too, uh, Joshua. I, I recently heard that maybe the fruit or the golden apple was an orange. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, it's so weird. Citrus and citrine. Yeah. Because uh, earlier today, I was talking to somebody about how the sky had turned orange in New York and DC because of all the alleged fires that were going around Mm -hmm. in Canada. And how um, he, and then he was like, oh, well, orange is 
33 or I'm like, well, what are you even talking about? It must be the gematria of orange. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, and I thought, well, you know, this time of year is orange actually, because it starts out with Aries red. As we get through Taurus, that's getting into the orange and then move, moving into the yellow. And then uh, it's just Roy G. Biv, you know? And so it's red, orange, yellow, um, green, blue, indigo, violet. And so throughout the year, the last month of the year is violet compared to the red that's airy. So we're kind of in an orange phase right now. And I think it's really interesting how it keeps coming up. They were showing me a video of people throwing orange paint on businesses and stuff. And I thought, it's just so strange. I I think Orange Man just got indicted too. In that, yes. And and he's also a Gemini. His birthday is like the 13th. And uh, another thing, I was kayaking today. I had to scout the trail out for Sunday because we do like a community float. My kayak was orange and I was wearing an orange uh, <laughs> shirt with our water truck signal on it because I do it for safety. So I'm easy to see. So the orange kept coming up a lot. And <laughs> then you bring it up again. And I thought, am I going to get to go to bed before I hear orange again? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the citrines were sometimes sacrificed as uh, free will offerings and fruit offerings. Um, I think that that's something that I know we don't have to do sacrifices, but there were free will offerings that you could do from time to time. And so if you grew produce, that's where the tithe kind of comes from, is that you could give a portion of that to the priests, um, to God even. And uh See, now that we don't have fruits of our labor, as in wheat, fruit, fish, whatever, now it's money. So that's what they want you to give them at church now is money. So if you, if you're, (laughs) so what would your pastor or preacher do if you walked in and handed him a, you know, a bunch of sheaves of wheat? He'd probably look at you like you're crazy, you know. But if he was really the true thing, you know, he would be like, ah, man, thank you for your tithe, you know, your first fruit offering or whatever. So I think that's something that I also take note of is that uh, we just passed tax time and all that. But so orange, uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention, the orange sky in New York, they also have those banners of Lilith up in New York advertising Diablo 4 that came out on 6-6. And 6-6 is when the fire started. And all the smoke and stuff started. So, and I don't know. It almost seems like a dream, like the weird synchronicities that are going on. So, I think orange could also be something else. You know, I'm not real sure what, but it almost feels like a warning of some kind. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's all during Pride Month. You see, because in the Bible it talks about uh, Pride uh, goeth before destruction. And it talks about how uh, judgment comes when pride buddeth, mm-hmm. you know, kind of alluding to this fruit. It doesn't come to fruition, though. It buds. And so it gets us back to the parable of the fig tree because judgment occurs with that before fruit becomes ripe. Um, mm-hmm. When the branch is yet tender. So the, the branch of a fig tree would be tender during the orange phase of the year which we're in now it doesn't uh ripen until like september 
anyway, I know I went on a little bit about that, but pride, the, the you know, the pride month thing is a big deal. I think. What are you saying, Morgan? It says um, orange is a combination of red and yellow. Both colors are often associated with excitement and energy, which is why orange is also often described as an energetic color. Orange can have both positive and negative connotations, depending on the individual. On the plus side, people often associate orange with optimism, confidence, enthusiasm, warmth, and agreeableness because it's a bright color. But uh, because it is seen in nature during the fall season and may be associated with cold weather, melancholy, or even death. But I was I was looking for something about the psychology of color, and I was looking at orange one day because um, they have this like just big ass orange painting with like red or with black stripes down it at our uh, at Crystal Bridges Museum. And they have this couch in front of it and they're like, hey, sit in front of it for a little bit and see what type of emotion it, you know, evokes or whatever. And I just sat there and I went home and I looked it up and it it was supposed to evoke tragedy, like fear and tragedy. So orange is like, like fire. Hmm. Um I think it can also represent like uh, create creativity and like yeah. playfulness and vibrancy. These are also in like a design world. Uh, those are kind of things that have been associated with orange as well. Yes. Luxury, um, prestige, hopelessness, deceit, impatience, pride, youthfulness, and happiness. It's also used in Halloween, which is kind of a negative usage, I guess you would say. Uh, okay. Invoking fear and zombies and demons and dragons and scary stuff. Hey, pumpkins. Part of that come to mind with the jack-o'-lantern. You know, that's what you would use to create a homunculus was a gourd or like mm. some type of like a pumpkin or a squash or whatever, that would be the <laughs> vessel for a homunculus. So putting a face back on and like that really, you know, makes you wonder. And then, uh, associates with the, what Jackie, is it? The, Jackie Munkulus. The, <laughs> it reminds me of, the, what is that? Ichabod Crane in the Sleepy yeah. Hollow. Yeah. Hollow. But the jack-o'-lantern actually is a, um, specifically an irish legend and so when people celebrate halloween it really does just come from that land it specifically was a gourd oh like a, he carved out a radish or a gourd or something and kept a coal inside of it so i would say are you out of well, your that board was, that was one of the um i think that was one of the the things that um, Anflin, uh told Pwill to take with him when he was acting. I could just be getting my stories mixed up, or it was in the second branch. It's in one of the Mabinogians, but um, one of the branches of the Mabinogion, where he was like instructed to take like a gourd with him, no matter where he went. Hmm. 
That is interesting. They put coal in it. I mean, coal is essentially carbon, right? <laughs> Compressed carbon. So I guess it's if you all were about trying to make sex. a homunculus. Carbon-based life. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, carbon, six, 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 six carbon. Or six it's also neutrons, space. Electrons and neutrons. Yep. Carbon means life. Carbon means, and the number six is carbon. Six, six, six is like the expansion of carbon, like the expansion of space. Well, right. Um, and is, so isn't carbon essentially what whole, like, makes matter? Not necessarily holds it together because I think that's like yeah, it's what gives matter life. Yeah, how you detect life in something. So is carbon. Yeah. So if carbon is six six six, then essentially we're living in the carbon matrix. Yeah, we are. Technically, we are. I mean, we definitely <laughs> Aren't we are carbon because too? we're in. We're yeah. We're yeah, light. exactly. We're our spirit, three. but our, our spirit's probably not carbon. Yeah, we're, we're in. We're but in three carbon. dimension, that's right? Six, six, carbon six. lives matter. <laughs> right. Carbon lives are matter. <laughs> oh, that's a joke. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> I, I dig it. But that's the thing, though. The vessel is that like prison for the for the spirit. So yeah, it is. Have, the well, in that sense, we are the beast. Exactly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, our flesh is anyway. We have free yeah, will. To right, right. Not this to vessel be. is that we yeah. have to feed. That we, you know, do all the physical things. But the spirit it's, it's can elevate that, you know, and and do work for the Lord. So that's the value of the spirit is it can make that what's dead alive. You know. Mm. Do you think we were carbon beings before the fall? Or was there something in the fall process no. that brought us to be carbon beings? And when it's talking about uh, like Yahweh creating uh, skins for us, is that essentially the car like being created in carbon form? I think you're onto something. Because yeah, I think this is the story of the oscillation we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, it, it, right? it, yes. So this is this yeah. is Genesis. This is Genesis. This is you know, could be some literal parts in here, but I think the ultimate goal of whoever wrote this was to tell us the story of how our spirits came into these beastly bodies into this physicality. I think that's the like crux under all of it, the like <clears throat> the story of it. So yeah, we we are it's about how how the spirit came into into matter. There was or you know i got to thinking about that though because they they do describe how eve has a body and she can see it and you know everything but the smell was involved so i i don't know maybe they wait she could see she saw she I thought you couldn't see, and I thought you couldn't it gets smell. Eyes, though, what I think is the mind's eye is what she must have got from that. Okay, okay. But she had all of her senses, so that would imply that she had a a flesh suit. Uh, yeah. I think what it is is that it was just such a precarious thing, because by entering into this dimension that we are now in, uh, it was so far removed from the spirit that you know it was more tenuous if you will so the serpent was able to upset the balance the way it did 
So it was risky business risky. to begin with to create us, really. You think about it. Yeah. I want to add something real quick. I found I was looking into that um in Abram journeyed it is Genesis 12 9. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. <clears throat> At least that's what it says in KJV. And then I brought up that Mitzraima or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this quote from I think it's from the Zohar uh is talking about how that Mizraima is comparing low and lower Egypt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lower Egypt might have been represented with the vulture. There. One was the snake and one was the vulture. We lost your people. So it's comparing it to the Klepot, to the like, you know, the everyone's familiar with the Kabbalah tree of life. And then the Klepot would be like the one under it. Yeah. The roots to the. Yeah. Yeah. Ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, you were talking about something earlier about the descent into Misraim, and it reminded me of the maybe was it the last time? I, this could have been a totally different conversation with somebody else or you, <laughs> but about the seed uh, moving up and down the spine, um, mm. and it related Daniel. to Daniel, <laughs> the rat. But uh, that's kind of used to explain the descent and ascent of the lunar germ throughout each month um, as well. Wait, what'd you say, Morgan? The rat? The rat. Oh, the rat. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. That, that carries the messages up and down the tree. Oh, Ratatasker. Rat- yeah. Yeah, Ratatasker. Yeah, from Norse Good. mythology. And, and it does relate to the nuts. Technically, because it's <laughs> semen related. I'm just saying. I mean, and we went through, we went over something like that in a different mythology as well. Like it's all over the up and down. Thing, but, I don't think I've ever being seen a squirrel in an ash tree because they don't eat what ash trees have. So it's kind of interesting to point it because the Yggdrasil is ash, I think. Yeah, but also like, didn't Fine. it was burnt. And the roots were pulled out, right? Yggdrasil? Which there was one? A, yeah. There was a giant serpent that was underneath the three roots, and it was eating away at one of the roots and decaying the part of the tree. And uh, I forget what the name of that serpent being was at the bottom of the tree of life, but the rat would take, sure. the ratatasker would uh, take messages from the serpent up to the top of the tree with God, and then they would it would oscillate back and forth in that way. So material and spirituality is kind of mm-hmm. baked into that idea, also. Yeah. Geez, stuff like that just has me like uh just thinking about the whole like I don't even know if you call it a conspiracy, but how the whole like, oh, all these teachings came from, you know, a priest class that like went around and they like, <laughs> you know they tweaked it to like fit these people and then tweaked it to fit these people. I mean, we were talking about a tree. We are talking about upper and lower, you know, levels <laughs> of the tree and serpents. And yeah. Or it's, it's like all... how cleave, how cleave becomes cleave, you know, like 
it, the words are funny and especially like to tailor words to other people's mm-hmm. that's just what you are not ever supposed to do i don't think we were ever supposed to do that is to take uh the word of god out of its mother's mother tongue you know hebrew has what's called the three mothers and it refers to three specific mm-hmm. letters that help create the rest of the alphabet it's an interesting topic uh, the Norse mythology, Hjormungar, that's the vast gand or the world serpent, Midgard serpent. So this is the serpent that would encircle the earth, kind of yeah. like Leviathan. Yeah. Because it's unfathom- unfathomably it's the ocean. large sea serpent or worm. It's the ocean. In the world. Uh, biting his own tail. An example of your Boris. Now, what's interesting about snake biting its own tail, it only does that when it's stressed uh, or when it's shedding. So that's not something. And it's also symbolic of the penis and the vagina. So when in union like that, it's almost representing some type of union like that as well. But Ragnarok occurs whenever the Jormunger lets go of his tail. And then that's when all hell breaks loose. And Thor actually engages with Thormonger in battle um, during Ragnarok at that time, whenever he lets go. I don't know if he lets go because of Thor or if Thor doesn't engage until that time. But one way or the other, they they battle it out. Yeah. But I, I see that as a Quillapot-type uh, connection, PK. That's a- yeah. Absolutely. A metaphor for like the it. for Thor defeating trying to defeat the ocean and then the it letting go of its tail would bring on a flood um because it released itself. Uh because and that's why it encompasses and encircles the world because it is the water. So it's all over. You can't and it's impossible to defeat. So once he was able to defeat it, it flooded the world. So chapter or verse 16 looks, a looks a bit interesting, uh, talking about, and he retreated. Well, first let's read the one before talk. Well, I'm sorry. Did we stop somewhere? Um, uh, am I skipping ahead? So you're, you're perfect. You're, uh, we stopped that kind of nine. We read the whole thing and we've been talking up until nine so far. Uh, I did want to get into this Abraham or Abram and Sarai in Egypt part, which you started to talk yeah, a little bit about that. descending into Egypt and uh, that that M word Mizraim. Um, so let, let's let's just uh, kind of start at ten and go through that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Want me to read ten again? Yeah, go for it. down into Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was uh, grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he, uh, when he was, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall 
that they shall see. This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I uh, pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. I see now why you guys read these other versions. So KJV <laughs> sometimes is uh, yeah, it's very, very hard old. to interpret. Like, what old the hell English. did I just read? I don't even know. So hey, when uh, uh, so when he brought her, to say no. Dan, no man's right. wanting to depart. I thought we should say goodbye. Oh, oh no, I was saying goodbye to. Uh, I'm leaving. Morgan. Oh, oh, so I, he's like, sorry, screw Morgan. Oh, goodbye, Morgan. <laughs> sorry. Uh, bye, Morgan. Bye, babe. Peace. Um, right here, uh, he, it's saying Abram took his wife into Egypt, and they're gonna see that you're beautiful, and they're gonna want to take you from me. Uh, so let's tell them that you're my sister, so that they won't kill me basically and then uh they'll, they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you so basically saying you know don't don't tell them you're my Same. wife because they'll kill me so just tell them you're my sister yeah, and he pretty so, much so please out. tell me that you're my sister i didn't read that anyway yeah. oh yeah I did. okay say i pray thee thou art my sister mm -hmm. okay yep and then uh sure and enough talks about how he gets so much gifts from pharaoh for her right so he essentially pimps her out and gets all these sheep goats cattle donkeys mm -hmm. servants camels the whole yeah. shebang yeah that's what he did and then uh and the lord didn't like that so he sent a bunch of terrible plagues upon pharaoh which is again like crazy right because supposedly pharaoh didn't do anything wrong at least knowingly Right, but now he's right. being cursed and given plagues <laughs> when Abram was literally the one pimping out his own wife. Well, well but you say Pharaoh, but which Pharaoh? Because it's actually kind of contested which Pharaoh it was. And I think that's so interesting. We still debate that topic today because he wasn't just given the plagues. He was wiped out of history. <laughs> like his name's not even known. So it's just crazy to me. Like, so he must have done something mm. and to really make Yahweh angry. And we read in the text that what he did do was that he provoked God because he was giving the people double uh, labor and making their quotas really high and not giving them enough rest and stuff like that. So he was literally working them to death and making slaves out of them. And so part of this being free from spiritual captivity and being led out of Misraim is also like, aren't you tired of working seven days a week, 12 hour shifts? Come join Yahweh's team. It's like <laughs> these people are like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're like, follow me. And he like takes them out with his right hand. And then, of course, a lot of them want to go back and they keep complaining. So he fends it out. But that's a big thing to address, I think, with the story of Pharaohs, because he was like the, I don't know if you guys have ever had a supervisor that you really didn't like, 
working for because it was never good enough, right? Where they make it impossibly difficult. Um, I've kind of had supervisors like that in the past. So Pharaoh was doing what was, um, it makes me wonder, like, had he not done that, what might have been different? Well, do you, was this the same Pharaoh as Moses? Because uh, mm. Pharaoh oh, is just like a term, right? And we're in, we're talking about Abram. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think we've gotten to that part yet. But obviously, that part is a little bit more like obviously he's messed up and doing something wrong. Sorry. Thank you for pointing that out. I'm, uh, I was confused. Um, that is a good point on the Pharaoh thing, how it's just like the generic term Pharaoh, almost like it's a proper noun, but we know that that's like a general term. So that would be something interesting to try and look at, like who this actually was in history. Well, and it does say Pharaoh and every word that it uses Pharaoh, at least in the KJV and what I'm saying in the transliteration, it's, it's his house. So it says Pharaoh's house. Uh, you can read all the all the times that says Pharaoh. It goes Pharaoh and his house, and then it doesn't say. It stops mentioning house beside the word Pharaoh in verse eighteen. When uh when he says and Pharaoh called Abram, that's the first time that it doesn't say house hmm. by the word Pharaoh. So I wonder if that if there's something to that. What what I'm seeing in the transliteration is Pharaoh is para or whatever and means great house yeah Um, it also it says uh at least in mine it says uh pharaoh equals great house yeah um and then right below that it says the common title of the king of egypt as well right so i think that that's kind of like i guess the that is interesting. I didn't know that it meant great house, but I think it can also be used as the common title of the king of Egypt. Um, so yeah, it would be interesting to try and track down who that was at each given time, like during Moses and during the time of Abram. Uh, would that be in reference to the great pyramid as the great house or something to that effect? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. That would make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Branch, um, did you have your hand up? I wanted to point something out real quick, though, because uh, it said that uh, Abram was traveling through the lands, right? Uh, he was with there in uh, Negev with these uh, Amalekite giants, and the, uh, they, uh, at, and then it says, at that time, severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. Uh, so that's interesting that there was a famine there. And then as he came into Egypt, the Lord sent a terrible plague upon Pharaoh and his household uh, because Sarai, Abram's wife. Uh, so Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me? He demanded, why didn't you tell me she is your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife back. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them and send Abram out. He said, country. she is my sister. Right, right. So was was this, is she is she his sister and wife? I think it's his wife, but he said sister so he could get away with uh, not having to die because they would he thought they would have killed him to take her from him. And so because it no, was no, his sister. No, no, she's my sister. Okay. She's not my wife. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, and then, cause later it's like, oh, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Okay. Well then since she's your wife, here you go. Now get out of here because now look what you did. You brought this plague with you. But interestingly, it seems like Abram b- brought the plague himself uh, to Egypt uh, from Negev. I mean, they probably weren't the best of people if he was so scared for his life that he had to come up with this, <laughs> you know, little, little, um, I guess, lie. But so there is probably good reason for them having the plagues put on them. But I think you just have to read through the lines, at least in this passage. Did you have something to add the branch? Yeah. Um, I, the way I interpret this is, is I was reading something and it says that uh, God punished his Pharaoh for Abram's lie. And it's because he really was married to her. And um, it was like breaking that matrimonial bond and inviting a curse. And so it wasn't so much that Pharaoh did anything wrong on purpose he was just doing something wrong it was going to interfere with god's plan and so um it does show here that the pharaoh was an honorable man to a degree that he didn't want to transgress spiritual taboo so to speak right it's wrong he's like get out of here which also gave them safe passage out uh so in a way it still worked out but it wasn't necessarily part of his plan i'm sure but i think what this story really reveals is a lack of faith on abram's part because he you know thought there would you know this was going to be a problem and lied about it so maybe these plagues would have never been necessary had he not done that you know right that that makes sense too when you think about how it said abram went south and if if we can interpret that as meaning south like the cleopath you know like the other side of the tree like it was telling us he was going south he was Off you know the- not thinking right or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah so saying that it's his sister like that i mean he's clearly lying and this guy once he discovers that there's truly that bond he's like no get out of here because he recognizes what's going on as a plague um so that would imply that this man's got spiritual eyes you know and most this people kind of, interpret things that way, but this guy does. Right. Yeah. And that was kind of my point about it. It's like, it's kind of interesting that it seems like he was trying to sort of do the right thing at the end there. Um, but maybe it was just because he saw the, he realized what was going to happen if he didn't. And kind see, of, something yeah, go ahead. to compare is the, uh, since I did bring up the second Pharaoh, um, is that he, the second one, after letting them go, chased them. Right. So that's why he got like really walloped. Uh, so I think in the next chapter, it would be interesting to see if this Pharaoh left them alone or not. This is kind of a side tangent, but weren't these regions, do you guys know if these regions at the time were known for like their agriculture? Near the Nile, they were, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that before. So one thing that's interesting to me is we have a lot of talk about these famines uh, and droughts and plagues and stuff. One thing that happens when you sort of have like an agriculture of like 
monoculture and over tilling and things is you actually deplete all the nutrients in the soil and it becomes just like sand, like dirt uh, with like no life in it. And so mm-hmm. I almost wonder if we had like a season in life where we over sort of tilled all of the land in these regions and that's why it's now become the desolate desert that it is because we're sort of seeing that happen on a global scale with a lot of our agriculture practices i would say uh that it was once ocean right the sahara was covered in water they find carcasses of whale bones and stuff in the desert so it seems like it was ocean and that's why all the sand well, that could have also been from the global flood, right? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But the uh, flooding of the Nile was when they would grow a lot of their crops. And this month in particular, Gemini or June, um, this is, is when you would start putting bricks out, like mud bricks to dry, because the rains kind of stop around this time of year. And so that too could be a clue. Um, a lot of times construction might start around this time of year. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that he didn't just say, uh, oh, well, here, take your wife back um, and then let him stay. But he kicked him out, made sure he got out of there, uh, sent, sent escorts with him to make sure that he left the land. Um, which is why I'm, I was kind of referring back to that famine that struck Canaan and because he was there and then brought it with him. And now they're like, okay, well, we have to get you out of here because you're causing problems. It's not just that he gave his wife back. Uh, it was also that you got to get out of here. You know what I mean? So it's almost yeah, like, like yeah, Abram's like, the one bringing the curse kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no matter. I like what you build on that. Um, it makes me think of how the desert is, you know, the maybe the like symbology of it all could be, um, sort of like an, an Atlantis theme, right? Like they got to you know, too into the technology or too into whatever, too materialistic, if you will. Um, and sort of uh, the land turned to famine, you know, is kind of symbolic uh, because they went kind of Atlantis with it, right? And got in over their head with the AI God or, you know, whatever happened. Yeah, but, well, uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of, I feel like God's always telling people to go here, like go here, like move, you know. And one thing we notice is when we do have these situations where we set up like permanent um, like fields for agriculture and we just over till them and till them and till them and don't give any chance for the nutrients or earth to replenish, then that's when you start to see issues start to arise. And so I think it's just interesting that perhaps we have a, sort of global example of this and all of these areas that were agriculture hotspots for a long time, then turning to desert and then having these, you know, like seven year famines or whatever, perhaps because they were literally like over tilling the land. 
And so, yeah, I think spiritually it can be the same thing, right? Is if we're not, if we get stagnant in our spiritual growth and we stop looking for that source, then yeah, I think the same thing can happen where you're in a sort of spiritual drought, spiritual famine, spiritual desert. Do you have something to add, Joshua? Yeah, I was just wanting to mention the concept of the Shemitah, which is that uh, the Jews were instructed to have a rest on the seventh year. So the land was given a rest. Exactly. So because, because they were given such bountiful harvests all the other years, they didn't need a harvest that last year. And so they were able to rest the land and rely on their stores. And uh, so that was just showing some wisdom that the Lord had about the land needing that rest. I think right. also helps a lot with that, by the way, seven days. Yeah. Seven, seven years is an interesting type of thing. Lord rested on the seventh day, so they rested on the seventh year. And if you declare bankruptcy, you're, you, it doesn't drop off for seven years. Um, so there's even like things in tax law and whatnot that relate to breaking a mirror. Breaking a mirror is seven years bad luck. And you were also supposed to forgive the debts of those. So anybody, right? That, Jubilee. Um, the last Shemitah, by the way, was September seventh, two thousand twenty-one through September twenty-fifth, two thousand twenty-two. So we just finished a Shemitah year. And sorry, what was the Shemitah year again? That was the year of rest. Yeah, uh, basically two thousand twenty-one through two thousand twenty-two. Yeah. But that's what you're saying. It means it's like a year of rest or yeah. allowing every the seven. Earth. Yeah. What, and what was it? Is specifically around like Earth or uh, like practices? Well, and things? one day it'll be the whole Earth. Yeah. But this was just something that the Hebrews did, and they're the Jews, however you want to refer to them. But uh, but yeah, even during their heyday, um, when all twelve tribes were active, uh, they would do this every seven years. They would have a a cease of agriculture and stuff like that. So it's wow, very okay, much like cool. the Jubilee because seven times seven is 49 plus one is 50, which was the Jubilee year. So after um, seven sevens, <laughs> so after seven Shemitahs, you would have a Jubilee. Interesting. Well, so what that would be like eight and eight's uh, known for like, the number of wealth be the one year added so like that one year of rest that you would normally have for a shemitah the jubilee would just be that to kind of crown the seven shemitahs in a row that's the way i see it anyway which is kind of also how i see it uh, for the millennial reign of christ is that um once the restoration occurs it'll be like a long shemitah for a thousand years rather than just seven years it'll be a one thousand year shemitah which a lot of people liken into like a jubilee it'll be like the jubilee of all jubilees though because <laughs> it'll last for so long because normally i don't think it lasts a jubilee is just a year so for a thousand years that would be like a grand jubilee which means no work no taxing of the land you know so we may not even till the land during that time like we may not even eat who knows um we're supposed well, to 
access to the tree of life during that time. So maybe we won't need to eat. I mean, if we actually did our agriculture right, I could see us getting to a point where that's the case because in a perfect system, like that's what I'm working on in Hawaii is like permaculture, right? Like a food forest where you have the plants working. Um, it's like called companion planting where they work together harmoniously to certain plants will drop their leaves and create more nutrient soil, which helps other fruit trees to grow. Right. And they, then other ones will shade trees that don't like too much sunlight or be windbreakers for plants that don't like too much wind. And so you can create this system that actually takes care of itself and, and generates food naturally. Right. And I think that's where we need to start moving towards, like you mentioned, crop rotation, you can also do like companion planting where you it's instead of having a monocrop where it's just like rows and rows of corn, you can have other crops growing with it that will help uh, keep nutrients in the soil. Right. So you don't get that depletion of soil, just turning it to dirt that you can't and then eventually to desert. So, yeah. Yeah, man, that's totally right. And maybe even some uh, plants that aren't, going to be harvested just so that the soil is held in place because that's kind of like exactly dust bowl for instance was when all the soil just (laughs) blew away yep that's what i was saying about the plants you can plant that will give nutrients to the soil so the idea of those is they're just there to feed the soil essentially and keep it up right but when you just have like acres and acres of corn and no other plants the soil has no way of getting nutrients because it's all just being sucked up by that one crop corn is uh, so yeah bad uh or you know, exactly no. we can't even digest it <laughs> um i wanted to add is it even that. from this planet <laughs> some say that bees and bananas are from venus just food for thought <laughs> bees and bananas huh yeah so maybe maybe corn isn't. Maybe it was imported by one of the fallen angels. Because in uh, what's a caudal? All which are yellow or gold, by the way. The maize. What was it, Dan? All which are yellow or gold. Bees, orange and black, and then bananas are yellow. And maybe there's uh, corn <laughs> is yellow or goldish. Which that would be the next months we're moving into. So really, the July-ish would be kind of like your yellow month. Cancer. And wheat. Yeah, good catch there. Wheat, too. Kind of like a golden. Um, I wanted to mention something, man, before we got too far off the topic of permaculture. I saw something recently called Sonic Bloom. Mm. And that's when music, such as like classical music, to um, you play it to your plants Mm-hmm. And what this apparently does is uh, bird song has this effect as well, but it oh. opens the stomatas on the bottom of the leaf and it allows more air exchange, nutrient exchange, things like that begin to take place. And your plants will uh, not even just double and triple, but like in some of the cases, it was five times more yield, uh, much greater height. I mean, it was just like incredible what the sound mm-hmm. did. Um, so it's like they're eating the sound almost and, and it's causing a bigger yield. So you might want to <laughs> play around with that too. I know that Michelle from Michelle's Healing Home was also experimenting with electroculture, mm-hmm. which is put like a copper rod into the ground. And so I guess if you were to use electroculture 
and Sonic Bloom, you could probably make, you know, proverbial Garden of Eden there. Yeah, that's a good point. I definitely need to incorporate those uh, more. I have, we're just trying to get the plants to the property right now, but the next step will be like, how do we best take care of them? I just got some like water bulbs that will like slowly drip and keep them uh, hydrated because it's like two hours from where I live. So it's a long drive to get down there. You need some ID bags. But yeah, exactly. But setting up some electroculture, maybe we can get a solar powered speaker or something, have some music going. Dude, right. <laughs> See, that's, that's what's up right there. Um, let me know. I would be interested to know what effect it has, but the, it's the certain frequency. So, uh, I'll help you find the, the, the uh, scientist or whoever was that was doing it. Mozart. Okay, cool. Welcome Beethoven. Probably some binaural beats, like classical five music. balanced. He was just using uh, classical music. That's all he was using. Um, also, like, uh, what's that guy's name? Masamoto, uh, the the water guy that did uh, yeah, th- those yeah. experiments. Uh, maybe if you put little um, uh, signs and stuff like that in your garden that say love and growth and health. Yeah, that it'll actually uh, influence the plants in that way too. So, yeah, I love it. We got to incorporate all of these, the aggregation of marginal gains. Yeah, man. Oh, oh and think harvest. about it too, because when we read about the land of Canaan, a lot of times it talks about it being the land of flowing milk and honey and how the grapes were so big, it required Joshua and Caleb had to carry them with. Oh. Like took two people to carry these grapes. So think about what might have been going on there. Yeah. I mean, they would probably have to learn how to do that if there was giants there, right? I mean, if they're eating up a lot of the resources, they would have to find a way to make them bigger so that way they could uh, sustain their lives there. You know, this reminds me of something about the dolmens, that mm-hmm. one of the functions of the dolmen was that they would take seeds for their crop and they would put them in within the dolmen. And because the dolmen was a lot of times granite or some types of stones mm-hmm. that were stacked, now they were incredibly heavy, they would create like a force a charge. charge effect on the seeds. And then when they would plant the seeds, they would have much greater yields and stuff. Kind of reminds me of the uh, magic beanstalk bean story. Yeah, or sometimes you can, another one you can do is like put magnets below your plants. Or oh, your seeds. Yeah, that's a good one too. Which magnets and copper have a really strange relationship. Um, mm-hmm. It's like copper repels magnets. So maybe both even would kind of create like a current like put copper on one end and magnets on the other you probably create like a flow of energy yeah i heard somewhere i think it was probably in like a chat maybe on michelle's podcast or something uh but someone was saying they like had they set up all of this like electroculture stuff and it was like struck by lightning or like their garden was like struck by lightning or something (laughs) so i i think you want to i think it definitely has an effect but you might just want to be careful of what you do and how you set it up <laughs> so you're not like summoning yeah, lightning a, to your house could be a tragic end to a really uh, wholesome story 
Well, it could charge the soil. I mean, we know that this like produces more growth in mushrooms and life uh, when it's like uh, hit by lightning, which I think is why electroculture like works in general. Uh, so it can be good as long as it's not like you that it hits or your house or something. You know, it's funny you mention that because um, in my foraging stories or journey, um, I've learned that hen of the woods or chicken of the woods is said to grow um, where lightning strikes. And mm. it's only on oak trees that you find them which mm. is usually what attracts lightning oak trees mm. which uh, again relates to thor and all that right yeah, yeah that's very interesting i didn't know that wow well here's a list right here that i have uh if anybody wants to look you can type in a map of dolmen locations around the earth it'll show you where there's high concentrations of dolmens it seems like the north coast of Africa uh, was this Greece and Anatolia uh, by the Mediterranean Black Sea. And then also to the east of the Black Sea. And then pretty much like Germany, uh, Spain, all up the northern coast of Europe and the Isles. And then... Uh, Finland, Sweden, Norway area, and then out over here on the eastern side of Asia. I'm not sure what this land is here, but I guess that would be Japan out here in the water. But I'm not sure what that land part right there is. And then what is, I don't know what this is down here either that's uh, peeking into the Indian Ocean in China area. I think India's way more over in this area, so I'm not sure it's what that, that is. Say that again. India is that peninsula right there, that orange peninsula. Oh, it is? Correct, yes. Okay, so that's India. So uh, interesting locations for all of these dolmens. Hey, can you zoom in on this? Because it almost looks like there's orange on the coasts of north america and maybe even south america but i can't quite tell if it's no. just really faint is there no. like a little speck no it's no, all i wasn't all. sure if i was seeing things or what yeah you're seeing things it's it's just mostly over here in asia and africa europe actually asia is pretty desolate except for india and whatever that is in eastern asia next to japan um, I'm not even sure if that's necessarily Japan, that island, that little island area right above what would be Japan. It, um, what the opposite of Japan there, that might be Korea. Uh, I think there's a Korean peninsula, so that could be Korea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, interesting places that they have these all along coastlines. Um, so I wonder if there's something to go water, water is also responsible for this charging of the seeds in some type of way. Well, have you ever heard before you plant a seed to put it in your mouth? Oh, no. And then like, whenever you grow that plant, it's supposed to grow what you need. 
or, you know, some type of weird, <laughs> sorry, I'm probably butchering this, but apparently when you oh. put it in your mouth yeah. and then plant it, it's going to feed you what you need or something like that. I can't remember how it goes. There's something to it. So no man, you need to chew on your seeds. Get a well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm doing. Right. So that's good to know. Cause I, I eat my fruit and then I plant the seeds. I have a bunch of little, just empty like containers in my office and I just plant them when I'm done eating my fruit. So, well, but you got to put them in your mouth. That's what I'm saying. Like there's something to where well, I usually do, but yeah, that's a good reminder. Whatever. But what I think it's really doing is it's weakening uh, seed casing, um, or the tear, if you will, it's what it's known. Yep. I think, and your your enzymes of your yeah, saliva yeah. are probably DNA, your saliva, and you're giving it life too, like the microbes that we were mm-hmm. talking about. I'm sure you're that that helps into too. It. Correct. Yeah. So see, there's probably a lot to it. So let me know. <laughs> let me know if any of these gardening tips are. Yeah. Let me. No, what kind of nomad fruits you grow yeah i'll keep you guys updated right now i planted some ice cream bean and some star apples and we have a 20 foot star fruit tree wow. and we have a small little dragon fruit and then we have like this other plant that's like a tea it's like for making good tea i can't remember what it's called mm. um what else i think we might have a baby cacao and then moringa which is like a superfood uh you just eat the leaves kind of got a spice to it kind of peppery Mm. flavor uh it's got a ton of vitamins so yeah a lot of good stuff still very early ages but hopefully we'll have some stuff in a year or so fantastic it's awesome well i'm gonna cut it here guys uh so if you guys want to give any shout outs um, to the people at home where they can find you, uh, go ahead and do so now. We'll start with PK. Yeah, this was fun. No shout outs here. Just thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. And uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, man. Nomad. Yeah, you guys can find me at nomad.art. That's G-N-O-M-A-D dot art. That's my website. If you guys want to get a hold of me or check out my stuff, that's where you can do it. Excellent. Joshua. It's a pleasure to be in fellowship with you guys as always. Thank you for continuing to do this. I've kind of lost track now how many episodes you've recorded. This is a pretty successful series. This is 18. 18, Or 19 even. Might be 19. So, uh, yeah, if you want to chat with me you can find me on telegram as the branch i'm also on instagram as appalachian aesthetic um i do intend to get to aggregate all my stuff and put it in one spot but i haven't quite got around to it yet but i'm, I'm closer than i was <laughs> so yeah but if you uh, want to reach out to me uh, let me know I, I really enjoy being guests on shows so invite me anytime you like excellent yeah, and uh, for the people listening at home, uh, you can uh, go find me on Instagram at Rising from the Ashes or Daniel Naki Dan. If you have any questions or want to get in contact, you can uh, send all your inquiries there. And also, you know, uh, we would like to do like a live show. So I think sometime maybe in August when I have more time, 
because I'm trying to enjoy the summer now. Um, I would like to do a live show with all of you guys and uh, have some people come on and ask questions and just kind of field some questions and talk about whatever, you know. Uh, I think that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be great. A way to incorporate uh, the listeners into the show. So be on the lookout for that. I will give foreknowledge uh, prophecy of this episode. So uh, I'm not going to just spring it on everybody. So I'll tell you, I'll give everybody a date and when it's going to be. So that way people can mark it on their calendars and show up to um, participate. So thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, have a good night wherever you are. Love you all. Peace. Curses ending with my generation Blessings raining It's a celebration Go and tell the nation We're all saved by grace And I know I ain't boasting I've been stuck in my ways, man I'm regenerating Raising my vibration Curses ending with my generation Blessings raining It's a celebration Go and tell the nation We're all saved by grace And I know I ain't boasting I've been stuck in my ways, man I've been stuck in my ways how many days before it's no longer a face? God keep giving me grace. I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise. Giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise. I've been stuck in my ways. How many days before it's no longer a face? God giving me grace. I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks. Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks. I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks I'm Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks